Welcome to Streaming Income, a podcast from Bearings. I'm your host, Greg Campion. On this show, we intend to dig below the headlines to find out what's really going on in public and private asset markets around the world. From fixed income and equities to alternatives and real estate, we'll be speaking with Bearings experts from across the globe to get a glimpse into where they're seeing risks and opportunities today. So on today's show, I spoke with Mina Nazemi. She's a managing director within Bearings Alternative Investments, which is a global private equity, real assets, and real estate platform. A member of the Funds and Co-Investments Group, Mina is responsible for originating, underwriting, and monitoring primary fund, co-investment, and secondary fund opportunities within private equity and real assets. She also oversees co-investments for the firm. Mina's worked in the industry since 1998, And prior to joining the firm in 2017, she held several leadership and investment positions, including co-founder and partner at Aldea Capital Partners and partner and investment committee member at GCM Grosvenor Customized Fund Investment Group. We really focused our conversation today on the private equity market and and what's really going on there. Uh, Specifically, Mina talked a lot about the emerging manager space some of the challenges that those managers are facing and how that's actually resulting in uh, opportunities for private equity firms that can kind of sift through those challenges. The other thing that really jumped out at me was listening to Mina talk about how she and her team think about investing in women and diverse managers. This is a segment of the market that Mina knows very well, and uh, the data that she presents here I think is really compelling. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, Mina, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really um, pleased to have you here and I'm excited to talk about private equity. Thank you. So let's dive right into the discussion here. So when I think about the private equity market over the last couple of years, I think about things like rising levels of competition, rising levels of dry powder, um, more capital coming into the asset class, generally just competition um, increasing. I'd like to get your sense on is that a fair characterization of what's mm-hmm. going on in private equity? Um, I'm curious as to what types of behaviors you're seeing from general partners, GPs, limited partners, LPs, and, and portfolio companies. So can you just give us a, a general sense of kind of what you see going on in private equity today? Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely correct. I mean, what you're talking about in terms of increasing valuations, the dry powder Um, is definitely top of mind for a number of us as investors. You see that a lot more managers in the market, you see the activity from the small end, the large end as well, and just general overall more competition. And that's really funneled and fueled by a number of items. Um, One, you just find that a limited partners are just putting more capital into the private equity space, just given the historical returns Mm -hmm. of, of private equity. And so more dollars are being allocated to private equity. It's a general matter. And you may even see some newer investors into the market who have never invested in private equity before. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of demand for private equity. From the supply side and from a manager perspective, you see a lot more managers in the market as well. Of course, you have your established managers who are coming back to the market. They're coming back to the market with even larger funds, maybe now sidecars or, or offshoots of, of their platforms. But we're also seeing a lot more managers in the smaller end of the market and even newer managers, emerging managers. So from the perspective of an LP, um, our job is getting harder because there's a lot more dollars out there. There's a lot more competition. You're seeing valuations up. There are so many more managers now there in the market. 
And so at the end of the day, what we've seen and the numbers have shown from a performance standpoint, um, performance has gone down, right? If you look at where median returns have gone down. So we as investors need to be um, very thoughtful and mindful of where we're going to continue to see that, you know, outsized type of return that you're seeking for private equity, particularly when you're looking at performance compared to the public markets. So what have those median returns done um, over time? Yeah, I mean, if, if you look back, even from 10 years ago, the private equity returns have actually, in 2000, as an example, if you look at the pooled in 2000, it was closer to 23%. percent mm-hmm. And that's a pooled number. And that was, you you know, arguably a peak. If you look at 2007, arguably another peak, those pooled returns dropped a little. It went down to 20% mm-hmm. return. And then if you're looking at even now, which, you know, some would argue is a peak, those pool returns have actually dropped to 15%. So when you put that into um, perspective, a lot of investors thought and have, think about private equity returns generating 20-plus returns. Today, we're really close out of 15. Mm. So um, it makes it more challenging for us to identify where are we going to generate that 20-plus type return. So it, it's interesting to me that the market level returns are, are coming down over time. Yeah. How do you sort of combat that? Yeah, I mean, when we're selecting managers, it, it really comes down to, you know, the team in place, you know, their track record and their experience, um, and really what is the strategy. I mean, those are really the three fundamental pillars to any manager selection. And that's where we're spending more of our time is really diving into that execution. And as part of our underwriting process, it's not just taking a rear view mirror on these managers and looking at what they did in the past, but we spend a lot of time working with our managers and looking at investments alongside with them live Because it's one thing to be able to talk to a manager. What did you do two years ago when you looked at that company where, you know, you get the benefit um, of the history, right? But it's another thing to be looking at a company alongside with them, seeing how they're evaluating that opportunity, seeing how they're assessing risk, seeing how they're operating with their management team, what they do at the board level, and being able to derive from there and be able to ascertain, hey, is this one of our best managers who understands that market well? The other thing I'll overlay with that is there's now more of a focus on specialization, and you're seeing more of that across our industry. You're seeing that at, at all levels. And 10 years ago, there were most, most managers were more oriented to being more generalist. Today, you're seeing much more of specialists, which we think is great. And so the only challenge we have is making sure that we're building the appropriate portfolio where it's well diversified yeah, across industries yeah, as yeah. well. And and, and now because of this segmentation, it allows us as investors to really construct a portfolio that has, um, you know, the diversification industry attributes that we're looking to achieve within the portfolio. That's great. So I'd like to take a minute to talk about this segment of the market um, that I guess we define as emerging managers. And I want to talk about that term. I know that you and your team recently published a viewpoint called Don't Judge a Private Equity Fund by Its Number. I like the clever yeah. uh, title. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because I know that this is this is an area of the market that maybe you think is less appreciated um, than some other areas of the market. And I know that this is a potential way that you and your team think about combating some of these broader trends toward lower private equity returns um, 
in the market. So can we, can, for, I guess, first of all, can we define the term emerging managers? Yeah. I, and, you know, I'll say the term emerging managers is more of a, I would say, North America, U.S. Mm-hmm. term and um, maybe less widely used across the world. Um, maybe you're seeing more of that in Europe. But the the term emerging manager is typically really oriented in, in t- two forms. Um, one, it has to do with the team and whether you're first, second, third time fund. It could be that you're a spin-out, you're a spin-out out of an established firm, and now you've created a new entity. Or it could be a team that's come together for the first time. Um, and in some places, the term emerging manager is um, even associated with a certain size of an AUM. Mm. And universally, um, emerging managers are typically under a billion dollars in okay. size. But most of our research that we did is is really oriented just to, are you a new platform? You're, you're really raising your funds one, two, and three. Interesting. So... Can you talk a little bit about this segment of the market? I guess yeah. what what's attractive to you and the team about yeah. this space? And and maybe um, let's mm-hmm. start with what the historical performance for managers in this segment has looked like over time. Yeah, so so emerging managers have historically done very well. And if you look at the numbers, they typically outperform on the top end of the market and the bottom end. So first, they over-index on the first quartile and they over-index on the fourth quartile. And then very little in that median. So they either do extremely well or they don't do very well at all. And I'll, I'll get into why that's that, that's the dynamic. But the reason we like emerging managers is you're typically investing with very highly skilled professionals. Um, they have deep experience. They spent a number of years refining their craft at maybe at a, a predecessor fund. And they do very, very well in that specific segment or in that niche or within that strategy or within that industry. The other reason we like emerging managers is because of the strong LP and GP alignment there. If you think about it, most emerging managers, especially if they spun out or if they left their firms, they're leaving a lot on on the table. They left their previous firms, um, probably a lot of carry, and now they've embarked on this mission to, to raise their first fund. And they have a lot at risk. They probably mortgage their homes. Um, they're not taking a salary. So there's just a very strong alignment mm-hmm. with them and their success and the LP success. So um, we actually like that. What we also like about that is just they're not encumbered by a large legacy portfolio that you typically find in established firms where you have a huge legacy portfolio. So we like the focus mm-hmm. that you see with these emerging managers. And then they're also um, typically oriented to the smaller end of the market. And so you have the small cap effect. So you're dealing with investments. Um, It's less competitive, lower purchase multiples, lower leverage. And they have the opportunity to kind of pull a lot of levers on the strategic value creation side. It's interesting to me to hear the kind of typical profile of some of these um, emerging managers, because I think maybe there's a perception that uh, maybe you're new to the industry or right. something like that, but but it sounds to me like you're talking about typically very experienced professionals, maybe coming out of brand name private equity firms. I mean, will you typically have established relationships with these managers uh, even before they spin out to launch their own firm? Absolutely. And one of the things that you just touched on, I think, is is a critical point, which is these are 
um, managers who have deep experience. They've done this before. The one nuance is perhaps they haven't managed their own platform before, which is really a big transition Mm -hmm. from just being a deal person to now running your own business. But from a deal standpoint, you're absolutely right. They're definitely experienced. So let's talk about that um, element of running your own business, though, because I think that's a pretty important point. So if you're part of a kind of blue chip brand name, private equity firm, you've always been responsible on the investment side, but now you've spun out and launched your own firm. I completely understand everything you're saying with regards to really liking the alignment of interest. People have their personal finances on the line here oftentimes, which as an investor in a firm, you love to see that they've got a lot at stake here and they really are incentivized to make it work, right? Um, But let's talk about that business side for a minute. How does that work? Is there anything... Is are we involved in helping them on that side? How does, how does that side of things work? Yeah, no, we're absolutely involved. Uh, we're big believers of we're just more than just providing them capital to maybe anchor their fund. Uh, but we know it's hard to be an emerging manager. And, um, and it goes from everything on giving them guidance on how to construct the team. Um, what do you do with your back office? What do you do from a fundraising standpoint? The pros and cons of having, you know, a COO or a compliance officer in-house or outsourced. And so one of the things that we do when we're working with our emerging managers is we want to help demystify the process of starting your own fund, demystify the fundraising process, mm-hmm. help and give them guidance because we want them to succeed. And and sometimes they're just learning how to do this for the first time. So to the extent we can give them some guidance, provide some best practices, make some introductions, um, also introduce them to other emerging managers who've gone through this path, we're supporting that emerging manager just get educated on this process. There's no book on, hey, how to start a fund. Mm -hmm. So what we believe is by helping our emerging managers do that, we can get them on the right path to raising their first fund and executing on that so that they can spend most of their time under detention really finding those best deals versus managing and doing just kind of the day-to-day business operations of having your own fund. Um, Another big element, and I think probably the most impactful element, is, is supporting them on the fundraising process as well because there's over 2,000 LPs out there. How do you go about them? What's the best way to approach them? So giving them not only guidance on which LPs they should reach out to who are Mm -hmm. maybe open to emerging managers, making warm introductions, but also how do you position yourself? How do you present yourself to that LP? How do you tell your story well so that it resonates with the market? So all of those things combined, in addition to being supportive by either anchoring a fund or you know, being there early is what we do for emerging managers. And this is our tie-in with them because we're trying to build a relationship with these teams long-term, not just for this fund, mm-hmm. but for multiple funds and for and building that relationship, not only um, on behalf of us, but also on behalf of our investors. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds much, it's much, much more involved than simply making an investment. You're truly mm-hmm. partnering yeah. with them at many different levels with a yeah. goal of, mutual success. Absolutely. And also just through that process and having that type of interaction, you learn a lot about that manager as well, which is very important. And that's even more important when maybe teams had not worked together Mm -hmm. for a long Mm -hmm. time. 
So it's our way of having a window into that manager and seeing um, who can who can fight through those lows, um, mm-hmm. who can work their way up to the top. And that that type of resilience is what we like about emerging managers. And when we can see that, um, that also kind of gives us um, some perspective on who's going to be a successful manager. Mm-hmm. Because if you can get through that, which is tough, then you'll get through when you have a challenged portfolio company. And so all of those things in combination, it's the right thing for us to do in the industry, but also it just informs us as we're culling down, you know, the hundreds of managers that are out there in the market to determine which ones we're going to back. So upfront, we talked about some of the challenges uh, that the private equity industry overall is facing. Um, Let's talk about emerging managers specifically and what that uh, environment looks for. I know you had some interesting statistics in your recent uh, viewpoint that's that's available for listeners on bearings.com um, around fund concentration numbers. But talk a little bit about the environment that emerging managers are facing today when they go out trying to raise funds. Yeah, I mean, in the 15 years of me um, investing with emerging managers, I find that today's environment is is the most challenging for these emerging and first-time funds. And a lot of that is actually driven by some of the activity and the behavior from the LP side. One, you're finding LPs just trying to reduce how many relationships that they have. Um, re-ups are being prioritized. And what that results in is that some of the larger established funds are raising larger funds. And so as an emerging manager, you're just competing for those dollars. And so if you look at what is actually occurring in the market, um, despite the fact that you may have 20 or 30% of the funds who are out there in the market being first-time funds, they're just not getting the dollars. Less than 5% of the dollars being allocated are going to those first-time funds. You're also finding that the minimum check sizes have gone up. So if you're a smaller manager and you're going um, to talk to an LP and their minimum check size is 75 or $100 million, it's not a fit. Mm. Lastly, um, which I think is exacerbating the challenge for for everyone from the LP side and from the GP side is just there's so many new emerging managers out there in the market. And so it's very, very hard to stand out from the number of managers who just are out there almost competing with you, maybe within that same strategy. Yeah. And so that's quite an interesting and I guess challenging picture that you've painted from the perspective of an emerging manager. But I guess from the perspective from an investor, is that additional friction that exists in the system, is that where opportunity lies for for you and other investors? You know, absolutely. I mean, I think when you say the word friction and the, and the challenge for them is that they're focused on what's really driving their portfolio, right? There may be these, some of these larger relationships that they have to spend 80% of their time because that's what's going to drive their mm-hmm. performance. So it's very hard, even though there may be interest from these LPs to invest in this end of the market, they know that this is an opportunity. There's just a time and attention issue in the challenge. And that is our role with working with our investors is being able to look under every rock and look at every single emerging manager, pick the best one, um, and also be able to um, provide and develop a portfolio for these investors that has the right mix from a portfolio construction standpoint and the right mix from what the what the client is is looking to achieve from um, an, from a return perspective. 
So I'd like to shift gears for a moment and talk about um, a segment of the market that's sometimes considered a sub-segment of the emerging managers uh, market, and that's funds that are managed by women and diverse managers. And I know that this is an area where my favorite. <laughs> yeah, where you and your team have done a lot of work. I know you've you're personally involved in a number of organizations that promote women in finance uh, and private equity, et cetera. Um, so I, I know you've been a real leader um, in that respect. But can you talk about this part of the market and how you think about investments here? Yeah. So we like that space a lot. Um, obviously, as a woman, as a woman of color, want to be supportive of other women and diverse managers out there in the market. But we actually have found that this segment of the market has actually outperformed, even outperformed emerging managers. Mm -hmm. And so as earlier in the podcast, I talked about emerging managers over-indexing on the first quartile, but also over-indexing on that you know fourth quartile. And what we found with women and diverse managers, and we did some analysis across 10 years, we found that women and diverse managers over-index as well on the first quartile. And in fact, um, about 40% of the women and diverse managers have been first quartile. Hmm. And so I'll repeat that because it's super important as you think about your expectation. You typically expect, you know, first quartiles being 25, second quartiles, sure. 25, third, and fourth. And with emerging managers and particularly first-time funds, first-time funds have you know, are, are around 30% first quartiles. Women and diverse managers on the first quartile have been about 40%. Can I ask you what you think it is um, that is behind that performance? Um, it's it's a lot of grit. Um, if you think about women and diverse managers and when they're at a point in time where they are able to um, come out and raise their own fund and, or women or diverse managers who are positioned to raise their own fund, they've gone through a lot. It's been an industry that has historically not been as open mm -hmm. um, and supportive of women and diverse managers. So if they've gotten to that point right. where they have their track record, they have the experience, um, and they're at a, that point in time in their career where they can now spin out or leave their firm to start their own firm, They've just gone through a lot and they have to be, frankly, superstars to right, get to that right. point. So it's not a surprise that once um, they've done that and taken that step to raise their fund, and we talked about the challenges of raising a first-time fund, and when they start deploying it, they're just they're just teams, they're individuals who are really at the top. Yeah. And therefore, we're seeing it in the numbers, and that's why we're seeing that performance being better than than the market. Yeah, that's really interesting, that re, that kind of resilience factor. Um, and I'm sure there's Absolutely. A, you know, the the different perspective factor as well. Absolutely. Um, that plays a role. And so we especially like the space, but we also like the space because we believe that we can support these managers um, beyond the capital. And it's the, the items that I referenced earlier with supporting them with their, their fundraising, introducing them to LPs, giving them best practices, giving them guidance, and really just being there to support them through it. And so all of those things combined um, is why we really enjoy the space and it pays. And for those um, who believe that it's a quota or it is um, a social mission, I would argue um, the inverse. And I would argue that if you are not looking at those managers 
you are overlooking a, a very important segment of the market, and you may be missing out on significant returns. That's yeah, that's fascinating. Um, and I think the there's not a lot of great data out there on yeah. the historical performance here, and and I think that's possibly a function of the fact that it's still a relatively small, well, it is a small percentage of the market. Um, but I think, and I'll draw people's attention to the to your recent uh, viewpoints piece again, because I think some of this data is presented um, in that piece. Um, but I think it's, it's the numbers are, uh, tell their own story. So I think it's, it's quite a compelling case. Yeah, absolutely. And and like all investments, there's risk. And there are obviously those performers who were in the fourth quartile. And you see that across the board, whether you're large, small, established. And and what it comes down to are are really the same themes. It it comes down to alignment. It comes down to the team and their experience working together. It comes down to whether they have the right strategy in place. Um, and do they have all the components to really execute on their on their investment plan? And so that is our job to to pick the best managers, mm-hmm, whether mm-hmm. they're women or diverse. And when we're making commitments on behalf of our clients, we're very focused on not not who is the best women or diverse manager or who's the best emerging manager, but who's the who's the best manager across the board? Who's the best, whether they're large, small, established, sure. um, women or diverse? And where we've netted out is we've backed a lot of smaller emerging managers and a lot of women and diverse managers. That's great. So, Mina, it's been a great discussion. Um, just as we wrap it up here, what what would you like listeners to really take away here today? Yeah, we've, we've outlined a lot of challenges that we're seeing as LPs in the market. <clears throat> and one of the things we hope you've been able to learn more about is the opportunities with smaller managers and emerging managers. And so as you think about building your portfolio and making your commitments in the up, you know upcoming year and you're evaluating you know, some of your larger or established managers and thinking about re-upping with them, consider thinking about comparing them to a smaller manager from a performance standpoint. Consider um, comparing them to if you have another women or diverse manager and truly take a step back and look at the performance, mm-hmm. look at who's, who's generated returns, who's actually created value and um, and try to pick the best one. That's great. Well, uh, I've certainly learned a lot and I appreciate you taking the time to be here today, Mina. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to hear more from the team here at Bearings, please go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and search Bearings, or find us on the web at bearings.com. That's B-A-R-I-N-G-S.com. Thanks again.